Coming to you from Charm City, I'm Cece. And I'm Anthony. And this is Lit Pop Bang. All right, we got a great episode today. Coming to you today is a friend of ours. Yes. And a Baltimore-based writer. Yes. Tyler Mendelson. Let me read the official bio and then we'll talk about the real you. So Tyler Mendelson is a writer and editor living in Baltimore with their partner Trish and their cat Cosmo. Their work's been featured in The Establishment, Little Patuxent Review, Be More Art, Baltimore Fishbowl, JMWW, Queen Mob's Tea House, and more. Tyler's book Laurel, published by Ink Press Productions, is upcoming in August. They are the drummer for the Baltimore-based band Cool Judy. Tyler, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. I'm so excited to be here. And we're yeah. excited to have you finally. I didn't know that tidbit about the band. That you actually, didn't know that. I that's did not. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, that's news to me. I'm going to ask about that in just a sec. I'm ask often how we came up with the name of the band. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. So before that, though, you know, when we read the bio and then we ask you something about you that's not in the bio. So tell yeah. us something about you that, that's not in that list. There. Oh, sure. Um, so do you all know this supposed insult, soy boy? Yes. I did yeah. not. You can explain. Yeah. So it's basically an alt-right term um, oh. that's aimed at men they deem to be too feminine because soy has estrogen. Right. Oh. It's this big thing attached to this belief that like soy, eating soy and not meat makes you more feminine. And so uh-huh. they've turned that mythology into this uh-huh. insult. Uh-huh. It's this uh-huh. insult, a supposed insult, but I yeah. have decided that that's my gender. This a soy boy. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. So Taking I, it back. Yeah, so I recently looked it up. I looked up the hashtag on Instagram um, just to see if any other, like, gender variant people had reclaimed it. Yeah. And I found a lot of vegan boys who I don't know if they were, like, aware of this insult or not. Yeah. But it was mostly vegan boys. I have to imagine they do, <laughs> yes. right? Like, they yeah. insulted. Because, you know, like, especially in America, like, there's this weird attachment of meat to masculinity, right? Yeah. To, like, vegan and vegetarian is, men. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. And so they're already probably, like, dismissed for being vegan men. So they're like, no, yeah, I am a soy boy. I eat yeah. a ton of soy products. Yeah, it um, seemed yeah. very unironic in the post, but yeah. Yeah, yeah that's great. Soy boy. <laughs> so I was also going to ask you about the band, too. Yeah. Um, I'd like um, to know about the band. You just said about sure. the name. So tell us about the name. But then also, you know, I was, I was wondering, like, uh, as a musician, and I know, uh, you know, you grew up with music in your life, but you're fairly new at playing yourself. Yeah. But how does how does that work, being a musician, interact with your work as a writer? That's a really interesting question. Yeah. Um, so, well, first, did you want me to get to the name of the band? Yeah, sure. Um, sure. Let's talk about the name. So that actually is, we, we took a long time to find a name for this band, and it, it went through many iterations. And then um, Michael, who is the basis of the band, had me in his, in his phone as as cool Judy and neither of us remembers why this is. We met in maybe like 2012 <laughs> and um, <laughs> like when and, he first met you yeah he put you just, in his phone as cool yeah, Judy. I, I really have no recollection. I was still drinking at the time. I'm sober now but yeah. he doesn't drink so I don't know why he doesn't remember it but yeah. right. we have no idea why we're in this phone. That. And so we we're going along thinking of all these different names and then um, Morgan his partner um, who plays the cello joined our band a little while into us playing. We had been playing with a different person um and then she we, we floated the idea of the name being cool judy and she was into it because it was an inside joke that she wasn't inside of but she also didn't know the origin of so right. 
Right. So. <laughs> right. It worked. Yeah. 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 I like that. I totally. But, yeah. But one thing I love is that on posters and graphics and stuff for the band. Oh, yeah. You use uh, Judy um, from, from Doug. Doug. Yeah. That was, uh, I'm Doug's proud of that. sister, that Judy. Yeah. Uh, who... Uh, do, you, do you remember Doug, the Nickelodeon show? Like, Doug. The cartoon. Doug, I don't Dick, think so. It's like this. Is this probably like middle school age kid? Nickelodeon, mid 90s. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. yeah, but I don't know Doug. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Anyway, Ultra Quail look. Man? No, 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 I don't know. The Beats? He has a dog. No. <laughs> anyway, that's funny. I don't know. Uh, his mean older sister, her name is Judy. Okay. And, okay. Um, oh, okay. Uh, she's really cool and hip and she's a teenager and she's into like yeah. poetry Be and poetry. jazz. Oh, yeah. so this is a double, uh, this definitely, so, yeah. Yeah, so like there's posters and graphics of cool Judy that just has yeah. Judy from Doug on it, even every though it's time, not about her. I like that. Yeah, every time we mentioned the name, I was just thinking of Judy from Doug, so I was like, we have to use her as our <laughs> right. icon. She right, right. I, I love, yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's and then, cool. and then how's it, how does it work with your art? Um, or I'm just thinking about that kind of. Yeah, oh, or well, does not? Are they two well, silos? I think that it it provides a venue for me to get out other creative energy when I'm not mm. able to write. Yeah. Um, so I often will be just, you know, sitting at the computer trying to think of something and I'm kind of blocked and I'm like, I'm just going to go play drums. And, um, right. and um, yeah, as, as you said, Anthony, I started teaching myself like three years ago about, so it's relatively new and I feel, still feel like I'm learning. So that's also like, I think it's, it's, it becomes really inspiring because um, there's a lot I still feel like I have to learn and I can just like teach myself new beats and then I feel like I've I think it's it brings out the creative energy yeah. somehow yeah that's yeah. awesome yeah a lot of writers have uh, alternate things that they do when they're not writing yeah so I mean you know whether it's running a marathon or snowboarding or yeah. <laughs> or all yeah. kinds of things you know a lot of writers have a lot of hobbies that, that they do in the meanwhile while they're not writing yeah. you know I think it's really important to have a, another creative outlet yeah. Besides yeah. just writing. And it's interesting you asked because I was thinking about this today, how um, both writing and playing music when we're in the moment, it's kind of just feels really intuitive. Yeah. And then there's like, they both have kind of a crafting afterwards. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. when we, we were preparing for a show, like getting our set list, the, the order is really important, you know, yeah. and, and um, yeah, just crafting it and in the yeah. future. Also and, the difference I was going to say though too with music and especially with a band is that's a collaborative process. Yeah. yeah. That is very different yes. than yeah. the isolation yeah. of writing. That's a, yeah. that's a good point too. And I, I Right? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and and at some point you get collaborative in writing, right? You work with editors or you work with the, your <laughs> writing group. At the yeah. end at the yeah. end of the thing usually there's yeah. there's more collaboration, yeah. but a lot of it is solo you by yeah. yourself in a room at a cabin yeah. at a retreat yeah. doing yeah. a thing. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like, you know, I, I love that music is a collaborative. That's why I love dance so much. Dance yeah. is really, like, important to me, always has been, whether it's being on a dance floor at a club or dancing professionally or whatever. I always love dance because it feels like a lot of people coming together to make a whole yeah. as opposed to, um, like I said, writing can be, like, kind of lonely sometimes. Yeah. Not always, but yeah. kind of sometimes. But I've, but I've also noticed that I get the best ideas when I, you know, when I'm talking to friends and when I'm doing, you know, like when I'm in my writing group, yeah. I always try, try to like make time to write after writing group. Right. And I think similarly that's with playing fun. music, that's the best way I've learned is just playing with people and just messing yeah. around and being like, I'm going to mess this up until I get it right. So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we've cool. talked a lot about the band, but you also have a new book coming out, right? Yay. Um, so tell us a bit about Laurel. And then I think yeah. she had a question about the book. Yeah, sure. Um, 
still haven't come up with my elevator pitch. <laughs> um, oh, it's okay. You can work it out um, here. Yeah. Pop bang. So, um, like Anthony's book, Out of Step, it's a memoir and essays. Um, and it started out, Ink Press had this award that they were doing in, um, I think it was 2016. Yeah. And yeah. it was um, just someone submit any kind of manuscript idea. Mm. And I submitted the idea of talking about names because I had just come out of working, coordinating the story of my name project. Yeah, which was um, a project where you asked trans and non-binary folks about their chosen names, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I was really interested in names. I still am, but um, the idea was to talk about, it was very broad, and it was to talk about right. how people name themselves, like, through. it was it was probably too broad. It was how people name themselves throughout history, yeah. and um, and so I was trying to narrow down that idea for basically, like, the first year, um, and the concept come concept kept coming into my head that naming is putting something to language. So naming is essentially everything because it's putting a feeling or a concept or a, an idea into language. Yeah, so that was yeah. like entirely overwhelming. And I like, <laughs> <laughs> right, I um, and so I think I met with Amanda at one point. I was talking about my grandma had died that, um, mm. that year. Oh no, a year before. This is Amanda McCormick who runs yeah, Ink Press yeah. Productions. And, um, she, I, I, as a side note, we weren't talking about the book. I just mentioned my grandma and she was like, why don't you go with that and see where that takes you? Mm. So, um, I started writing about her and, um, I didn't, and it kind of came, the, the thread of her name, Laurel came out, mm -hmm. which was still about names, obviously, but in a different coming from a different angle. Mm -hmm. And, um, she, so that, that thread is very prominent throughout. And I started thinking about lore, the lore sound of her name. Yeah. Um, yeah. and cause there's a lot about family lore in the book. Yeah. And then I also, um, started like using these different threads in my life, like how I, the language I use to describe like my gender or yeah. my experience with being sober yeah, and how the, that language affects the way I look at things and the way that other people see yeah. it. So, yeah. So it, it became about naming, but just a, a bunch of different, not directly, I guess. Yeah. I was just talking with my partner last night about this process and how cool it is that you worked with uh, Amanda and Tracy Diamond, yeah. who they, they co-run that, that press, and how they sort of just like like the initial idea and then let you run with it. And yeah. that what you just described is a very different book. And, yeah. and, and, and the proof we read is a very different book than the concept that you got picked up for yeah, in different. 2016. There is one essay that's particular specifically about names and power, yeah. but that's yeah. the only one that's directly besides you being about my grandma's name. Yeah. And they were really great with, um, giving me a sense of like freedom and direction. Mm -hmm. So they would say, these are the things we saw in the manuscript. These are the things that are really working. And then think about those, but also just write. So that's kind of how that came to be. Yeah, it sounds like cool. a great collaboration between you and Ink Press yeah. uh, Productions. It yeah. sounds like, you know, we've had a, a number of guests here on Lip Hop Bang that have been with small presses. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of people are enjoying their experiences. I think a, yeah. a small independent presses are having a resurgence anyway in America. Yeah. But I think a lot of people are beginning to voice their um, happiness, you know, w with going with a small press and having that experience of wor working one on one with an editor or with someone that's a friend of theirs or, you know, yeah. any, any any kind of connection like that. I, 
think people are having more and more success and happiness with uh, small presses and independent presses. Yeah. And you have freedom to experiment, I think, a little more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah. I was just on a panel earlier this year at a big writing conference about publishing with academic presses. Academic presses aren't independent in the they're traditional not, sense, but they're much smaller than the, the five right. big corporations who run right. the publishing industry. And so there's similar experience and you and and. What I've heard from any press and academic press like are the, the similar theme, right? Of right. like flexibility yeah. and a more personal interaction throughout the process yeah. and um, all these positive things about the development of the book and the marketing of it. Yeah. 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 And I end up, I mean, all of my publishers, I'm saying all, but all two sets, <laughs> there's sets because there's teams on, yeah. on both ends. But anyway, uh, I love them all. I mean, like they're really just great people and they champion books and they champion writers and they understand the process. Many of them are writers themselves. So I think they they really have a, a more, I don't know, a wider understanding of how, yeah. how the process works and also what the writer wants out of their book or, yeah. or is trying to achieve out of their book. Yeah. Yeah. You and mentioned think, your grandmother as a, a big thread in this book. And yeah. I think you had a question about yeah, that, Yeah. Right? I just wanted yeah. to know, um, and your grandmother's name is Laurel. Am I yeah, saying Laurel, that correct? Yeah. Laurel. Yeah. So I wanted to, um, uh, as I was saying, many uh, guests here at Lip Hop Bang have talked about writing about family. So yeah. I was going to ask you if you had any trepidation or if you, or if you felt any, um, nervousness about the book coming out. I don't, you know, yeah. in terms of your, uh, immediate family, either chosen family or, you know, uh, born family. Do you have any yeah. trepidation about, um, talking about people, real people in your life yeah. in a concrete way? Yeah. I had this realization at a panel that, I was, that, um, the two people I really wrote about in this book were my niece who's foreign can't yeah. read. And then right. My mm, grandma, who, grandma who's dead. So <laughs> right. Neither of them can read this at this right. point, at least. Yeah. Right. Um, it's but, true. but I still, I still did. I did have that trepidation. I did send a lot of the pieces about my grandma to my mom. That's right. The okay. Closest person to her. Um, okay. And I, I do send my mom work often anyway, but um, cause she doesn't really just tell me actually. that. Yeah, she doesn't just tell me it's great. She'll be honest. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, not like yeah. pin it up on the fridge. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Right. <laughs> She's like, this is not that great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And. And she'd also be honest about, like, this isn't a good representation of her, you know, oh, or this is. Or, that's um, interesting. That and, is. Um, so I, I really appreciated getting feedback from my mom about the essays about her. And, um, yeah. And, but it is, it is a very strange process writing about people in your life. And I think it just, it wasn't conscious, but I didn't really write about anyone but the, the two of them as much in that book. Right. I think other, everyone else is just kind of briefly mentioned like I was I in this room with my sister but right. it's really not about my sister so. right yeah um but I did I have had moments where I wonder about like my cousins who also lost their grandma who are equally as close to her mm, and how yeah, they all feel yeah. about the books and mm. they haven't sent them any of it yet so yeah the the Jerry's still out on that but yeah. right <laughs> um yeah, it's so funny. Uh, me and Tyler, uh, we went to the same graduate program, a uh, little bit of overlap, but for the most part, different years. Yeah. But our primary sort of teacher and mentor there in nonfiction um, is a person who comes from this like very yeah. like, uh, like, no, you write the truth and, and people yeah. will deal with the consequences sort of thing. And so it's so funny that both of us come out and are like, you know, people are real people. They're going to yeah. read this. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Consider those real people. Yeah. Yeah. I usually actually, when I have written about other people, I'll, I'll, send it to them first. Oh, sweet. I love that. That's um, very sweet. Yeah, just, yeah. I, yeah. I don't. I want them to know. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely don't. And people, people ask me that question often. They say, oh, you know, you write about real members of your family and your, in your work. And they're like, do you share it with? Absolutely not. Yeah. Like, I absolutely did not send my mother one iota yeah. of that book before, before it came yeah. out. You know what I mean? Because I was too, I was personally too afraid that whatever my depictions were, were, 
that she might come in and have opinions and make me change them. Yeah. And I really, it was important to me, not about truth, truth, but about my truth. So yeah. I, so I needed, sometimes I need people to stay kind of out of my space. Yeah, yeah, like totally. weird, yeah. Yeah. but everyone, but everyone is different about this kind of thing, which yeah. I think is really interesting. And I will say no one's ever said change that thing. And I right. don't know how I would react if they did, but right. there was a, a part that I wrote about in a letter in the book. Um, I wrote a letter to my grandma and I had given the first draft to my mom and, and it, she pointed out to me that I had talked about the burial, the like the Jewish burial ritual, yes. where you like mm. throw dirt on the grave. Each person yes. that's yeah. close to her throws dirt on the grave. Yes. But in the original piece, I had put that. In, I had said that that part was during the unveiling, mm -hmm. which is a year later, which doesn't make any sense because like oh, you yeah. leave yeah. her grave unburied. Right. Yeah. So there are certain things like that where like she was like, "That's actually all these mistakes you made are really interesting. Like, why do you think you?" Oh, yeah. Put and this is because you have a psychoanalyst parent. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's a good point, too. Yeah, <laughs> right. This is really fascinating. It's not your best work, but you, you really made <laughs> I wonder why you feel interesting this Interesting mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. Interesting stuff, though. That's yeah. interesting in how you dealt with that and your mom being, uh, I would say, semi-integral in the process of you writing the book. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, sort of a shift here, but uh, similar about that name in particular, Laurel. Um, the book's name, Laurel, right? Well, Laurel, yeah. Laurel, Laurel. We talked about this yeah. Yeah, before. And um, that name and that word being read different ways is part of the idea. Yeah. Um, how did you arrive at that? And um, and what did you arrive at before? We, we talked about you yeah. had a lot of difficulty arriving at this name, right? Yeah, it took a very long time and yeah. a lot of different titles. And um, we had a hard time arriving at something that at least one of us didn't feel lukewarm about. Mm. Um and we were trying out different phrases from the book as titles. Um, and then, um, and then, yes, we, we, we probably went through, I want to say like 10 wow. titles. Wow. Um, That's a lot. I don't have the official count, but yeah. yeah. Um, oh, yeah. but I think Laurel just seemed really natural once we actually thought about it because, yeah. um, we wanted something. Oh, we, oh, oh, we originally, I had forgotten about this. We originally were going to name it Lore because, um, like, L-O-R-E. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. yeah. L-O-R-E, I could see that. Because about yeah. words and yeah. Yeah. lore and the history and yeah. around yeah. them. Yeah. I could see yeah. that. Yeah. And I had thought of it on my own. And then I, we, I was meeting with Ink Press that day, and Amanda had separately thought of it. So we thought that was, like, you know, a sign. That was that it. Should, but then she pointed out that there's a podcast that it's called Laura. That's been pretty popular. That's about yeah. ghost stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, there's yeah, a lot yeah. of ghosts in my book. So it, yeah. but it's not ghost stories. So we just yeah, thought yeah. it'd be like too misleading. close to the brand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. So, um, we were looking for something with that lore sound in it. Yeah. Um, and cause that was really important to the book. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then there's also a lot about, um, kind of accidentally, there's a lot about nature in the book and yeah. leaves and laurel yeah. leaves and, um, the fact that they don't decay, which is kind of, uh, I thought was very appropriate for the book yeah, because there's yeah. a lot about talking about keeping Laurel alive. Yeah, history um, and ghosts and yeah. Yeah. And um yeah, and that's pretty much how we arrived at it. We all we all were very much on board when the, the title came out. So yeah. yeah. when that title was put forth. Seems like a lot of back and forth though. It seems like it you know, it took a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no it yeah. did. And yeah. Like I said, once we thought of that as the I actually had thought of that as a possible title, but it seemed at first I thought maybe it seemed a little mundane if you didn't if you didn't know the context for the book. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I I 
came around to really liking the idea of a really simple title that was really, once you got through the book, you started to see more and more how well it fit the book. I yeah. really liked that idea. So. And I think the titles, you know, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm a rare, I have a rare opinion in this. In this, I think people worry about titles a lot. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, like, I mean, you know, man, the Rolling Stones are the Rolling Stones. Yeah. What the hell? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Do you I think mean, the Rolling Stones would be the same if they weren't the Rolling Stones? I think they were they like would, the Rainbow Stones. Right. I think <laughs> they would, if they were the Rainbow Stones or the Quartz Stones or, or they would still, I mean, people would be like, yeah, I mean, I mean a famous yeah. rock group, right? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the name just takes on the, the lore of the, yeah. of what the book or the person is. And I yeah. think that people yeah. obsess a lot about names because they feel like all of these influential names of albums, of of musicians, of books have yeah. changed their life. And really at the end of the day, I mean, it's the content, not necessarily like the name. I mean, to me, this yeah. is my own opinion, mm-hmm. but I think people really do obsess, uh, even about titles of poems. I mean, I think a lot of times, oh, you know, like you said, I don't want something maybe so simple. Maybe that's too, you know, if I call a poem tree, you know what I mean? <laughs> or whatever. And I'm just like, oh my God, that's so simple. I think, I mean, naming and sort of what you're talking about, this debate about thinking about names and titling and all these sorts of things, I think they're important, but also at the same time, I think like some of our most famous albums or, or artists or whatever, you know, like the, the names are hilarious or yeah. the, I mean, the Blondie, yeah. <laughs> Blondie, or I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, yeah. or the Pixie Chicks or, you know, I mean, any of these, they're just, yeah. I don't yeah. know. They're yeah. not. It's interesting. I'm going to say this because this book is at least indirectly about names, but yeah. I sort of agree that if, if, if something was formative for you, it's, it's the writing. It, it's yeah, exactly. the, Then the title will become formative. For and, you. and the lore you build around it too. Yes. Like you are yeah. going out to readings for the last, year and a half right talking about oh we we picked the title because of this so the title represents this right, right? and yeah. you're, you're building a story around the, the name as well, right which is i mean really how naming works yeah. i think is a theme explored in the book too yeah yes it is tyler i want to ask you a question um it's a, it's kind of a simple question but also kind of complex um you mentioned a lot of texts on the inside of laurel um and i could tell the readers i could tell the listeners about the text um you know audrey lord uh they're, they're uh, michelle t I'm, yeah. uh, zadie smith i mean the list goes on and on and on you, yeah. you mentioned a lot <laughs> yeah. of i mean we can tell yeah. from from your book that you are an avid reader but also this is a question that i kind of wonder a lot of times when people are uh intellectually uh, engaged with books. I wonder if you you worry about the readers, whether or not if they have read these books, or do yeah. you sort of feel like you're mentioning these texts are a reason for them to go and look the text up, which is what I just sort of tell my students all the time. They say, yeah. well, we didn't know what that that book was that that author mentioned. I said, well, maybe you should go check it out. Yeah. 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 So so do you want, do you, did you worry about um, being kind of, you know, in terms of a book thinking meta meta of like you're writing yeah. a book, but then yeah. you're mentioning books inside of the book. Did you worry about that when you were doing it? Or you just did it? That's a good question. I didn't worry about the time, but um, I was mostly, I think the way that I see the world is through all these different, you know, like things that I'm reading, things that I'm listening to. And it was really hard for me to divorce that. And so I kept, I would find my way into writing by talking about, like, I've been reading this book. And then I was like, why not talk about this book? This this has been like very formative for this idea for me. Um, And I tried to explain the, like, you do. Yeah, I tried to explain the book so that you, you understand why it fits in that You context. do. You did a um, Sada Shakur. You did, you did a whole piece. You, yeah. you actually excerpted from the book. And, yeah. and I was like, okay, this gives readers a grounding if they didn't know yeah. who Sada Shakur yeah. was. Yeah. But yeah, I actually um, put... That was the one where 
I originally had a, a very long list of footnotes and it was just absurd. But, um, <laughs> so I, I narrowed it down a lot. But for Asana yeah. Shakur, I was like, people, I made a footnote just saying like, please go read her book. Like I couldn't get really into the things that I wanted to sure. in this part because yeah. it was just about this very specific thing um, about names and power. But, um, but yeah, I hope that people will look up these books after because yeah. they're, if they're in the book, it's because I, they were, incredibly meaningful to yeah. me. Yes. Yeah. And I think, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, even Michelle T, you talk about Black Wave to, yeah. uh, at, at length, I think. I mean, not in yeah. a bad way. In yeah. your in your, in your your memoir, and I think it's really important. Obviously, Michelle T is really formative for you in terms of talking about um, addiction and your sobriety yeah. and all yeah. those sorts of things. So I think you do explain very well, actually, I think pretty well for readers who may not have read, you know, Audre Lorde or whoever, that you kind of explain why this text is important to you and sort of integrating it and weaving yeah. into the memoir. It's, yeah. it's smart, cool stuff. Yeah, so I would hope that people would look it up. Yeah. Look up the books. Right, and not be intimidated by the, by the use of, uh, yeah. of text. If they read it and say, I don't know what that is, they should be interested enough to go and check it out. Yeah, I know Anthony does this a lot in his poetry. Like, Well, maybe not mentioning books, but mentioning... Oh yeah, I often We've, have to look up. <laughs> so uh, inside inside scoop here, Tyler and I uh, are in a writing group together, and so I actually read a lot of this book as it was being developed. Cool. Yeah. Um, and and as that, such, Tyler actually reads a ton of my upcoming the the book I'm trying to sell right now, which is a collection of poems. And so Tyler mm -hmm. reads my poetry almost every month, um, and we've talked a lot about what you were saying about yeah, the. How rich do you want a piece with illusion and reference? And exactly. do you worry about losing your audience? Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and really, are you narrowing your audience based on the text right. you pick? Yeah, right. Exactly. So yeah. like my work exactly. both uses like these high academic and Greek references and also like fucking video games and yeah. world wrestling entertainment. Which is formative for you. Yeah. Which is yeah. important to you. Yeah. Right. But who's the audience who gets both the low culture references and right. the high culture references? And it's important to me, I think about it too, as a teacher and yeah, you teach too, yeah. and we think about being being in a classroom. So a lot of times when I assign text to my students and they say, Yeah, I got here and I didn't they mention X and I didn't know what that was and so you have Google right in front of you. Of course, but they don't pull it out. They, yeah. You have they've got their phones. Their phones are inside their ears, dog on yeah. near. You yeah. know, and they but but they don't actually use their phones to look up all these references. So it's yeah. interesting to me that sometimes, and again, I think younger readers are different than um, older readers. I think students are at an age where you know uh, they, they make choices that older people may not make. Yeah. But it is really interesting to me to think about. Uh, the effects of what referencing text and references that people may or may not understand and whether or not um, as a writer we're concerned about that sort of thing and whether or not that might, as Anthony would say, uh, what kind of audience you're looking for, who are, who are you expecting to read this text, yeah. uh, wh what's the level of understandability that that yeah. person brings to this, to, you know. So yeah. these are things that I think about mainly because I teach and because my students say to me, oh, you know, you know, I said to them, all of them, will you read Shakespeare? And yeah. you had to, I mean, you, you're, you're required to as a student, you know what I mean? Yeah. You, have yeah. to, you definitely don't understand all that. Yeah. So, I mean, and many of you are taking foreign languages in order to graduate, right? So yeah. you definitely don't, you, yeah. I mean, so there's a way in which it's kind of, I, I don't kind of buy this, uh, you know, laziness on the part yeah. of some and of I my tried students. To, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Tyler. Um, I tried to, as you said, because there were times where I, well, often I would talk about the book at length, and I think I tried to, instead of saying, like, just as blah, blah, blah said, you know, making a one, a little, like, Reference. aside that's not explained, I tried to, like, insert it into the story yes. so that yeah. it was more, yeah. yes. um, you could see why it was there. Yes. And, yeah. and 
Yes. And, and even if you didn't go look up the book, you could still appreciate it for what it was in yes. inside the story. Tyler, but, I think my students would approve. That's <laughs> what, what I'm saying. I yeah. think they would approve. I just think it's interesting <laughs> that, like, um, especially, you know, we... You're a Gen Xer. I'm a yeah. sort of uh, old millennial. Most El- of our I say students, elder millennial. Uh, yeah. All of our students are Z. for the most part Z. Z. It's interesting to hear Zers uh, talk about like, oh, I don't, I didn't get this because Zers have always grown up with the entirety of human knowledge yes. in their pocket. I, yes. and, and I mean, that's yes. that's a generalization. There are yes. people who can't afford yes. smartphones and stuff. Yes. Or, um, but mostly. Yeah. But the for the most part, students yes. at uh, universities here on the East Coast have had access to the internet. Yep. And many of them smartphones their whole life. Yes. Um, and so for them to not just, you know, be able to like, in a flick of their thumb. Like, of course. Pull something up. That's really interesting to me that they that they often don't. Yeah. Um, but I also think that's, uh, you know, not yeah. to get into a lot of tangent here, but I also think um, we're... Z is becoming more and more uh, micro-focused. Everything is geared towards their preferences. I feel like preferences are so, like, people don't yeah, understand, like, how big the the ideology of preferences are in terms of podcasts, music, streamed music, anything. You never have to really come out of you your own. Your bubble, you yeah, never have yeah. to come out of your comfort yeah, zone. Yeah. It's like being in one driving lane for the rest of your yeah. life, kind of. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, and it's different for people who were born of a different... Like, you And know, that's not on them, because I don't think that's their fault. I think no. Xers yeah. and millennials who built the algorithms that create yeah. that world for right. us. Right, <laughs> and, and, and it's just the way that the world is kind of now you know what I mean I mean you go on Netflix and they're recommending what you should watch next right so you're just sitting there and sort of saying man I should I I think I will watch this because Netflix is recommending it right you never have to really come outside of your bubble and I think that's a real um challenge I think um, for Zers because they they're born like this and I wasn't I wasn't born like this. I mean, when I was listening, when radio was on, when my parents were listening yeah. to old records and stuff like that, I'd listen to all kinds of crap yeah. I hated. <laughs> we were just talking about this it's today. Also- Me and Emery grew up with, like, crap. Toby Keith on the radio. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, yeah. just all kinds of crap. I mean, my parents, I listened to so much Stevie Wonder, my head could explode. I right? You know, Stevie I mean, and, and I like Stevie Wonder, too. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just saying that I, I couldn't listen to what... I wanted because yeah. it was in it was integrated into bigger platforms where you didn't have preferences. And now I just feel like with preferences, you really as a zero, I would I also if I were a zero would probably never come out of my bubble. And it's yeah. probably jarring if you do if your whole world, your entire reality is on this one track or the yeah. tracks that are based on your preferences. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't exactly. want to hate on my students too. I have plenty of talented students. No, 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 I'm not either. I do the reading and disclaimer, lip hop bang disclaimer. We are not hating (laughs) on Generation Z. Don't, you know, it's like the the Bayhive. Don't come, don't add us. Don't, don't, don't stalk us. We were just saying that there are differences and they're noticeable differences. Their lifestyle and cognitive and the intersection of those two things, differences between generations. And they're interesting. Yeah. And we're back with the pop section of our podcast. Yes, and Tyler's here with Tyler us as well. Tyler is joining us for all three segments today. Cool. You want to start with Pose. some... Pose. With yeah. the TV show yes. we're all That's into. It. Yeah. Yes, Pose this so is... This Tyler, is you like Pose. I very much love Pose. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So for listeners who don't know, they should know, but they, yeah. maybe they know. Uh, Pose Pose FX started... I always say Pose FX. Um, it's actually just Pose, but it's on FX. Um, they started in 2018 in June, I believe, is the date. Um, and now they are coming back with their second season. And the show is based on um, African-American, Latino, um, gender, queer, non-conforming and gay. And trans. Um, and trans, and trans, trans yes, yeah. and trans. 
um, in the 1980s. So this is the ballroom culture. Yeah, ballroom culture is really uh, what New York and ballroom culture is really what it's about. So the second season is out. I'm all about it. Um, The first season was amazing. I think um, a star has been made by Billy Porter. He's been... uh, Tearing up the scene, uh, the fashion scene mostly. Yeah. Um, we're yeah. all here for uh, Billy's uh, fashions right. yeah. every day the, on the Instagram. Tux, flowing gown thing. That yeah, I, yeah. Lo- I love the, the the men in and in gold carrying him uh, on the. I lo- I've loved. I love everything. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. So we're we're excited about the second season, and uh, I don't know what what anyone would like to say, but I personally am here for all of it. I tweet about yeah. it often. It's so good. It's such a good mix of um, just. Has so much heart, so yeah. much about chosen family, like yeah. trans women of color and gay yeah. men of color, like living their lives authentically, yeah. and like, and it's just funny and it's sad and it, it like, is. also like talks about the AIDS crisis because it's in the eighties. Yes, yeah, and that's happening now more in the second season. Actually, oh, the, it's they're awesome. talking more I about the. I mean, they were they talked about it a little bit in the first season. I feel yeah. like, but this second season definitely, I'm feeling some. Some panic attacks about yeah. possible characters. I know. And I, my partner and I watched this and we're like, you better not let that person die. Exactly. That's, I don't want a spoiler alert for the, but I feel like that is like coming on and I'm not, I'm mentally preparing yeah. myself. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, really cool stuff about this show for those who don't know. Um, a lot of times TV will cast uh, cisgender actors as trans and gender yeah, non conforming right. and non binary characters. And this show gets a lot of praise for casting. Uh, not only having a really racially diverse cast, but for casting trans and non-binary actors yeah. um, in those characters, which is really rad. Yeah. Um, the season two just started, but also they just announced that they got picked up for the third season. Oh, I didn't, I, didn't know that. Yeah, I, that I didn't know that. I didn't know. I didn't know that must have just happened. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, that, that's great. And I and I love that. Well, Tyler hasn't seen all of the second. Yeah. You, no, no, spoilers. no spoiler alerts. <laughs> okay, but anyway, I can say that there is one storyline from the last uh, from the last episode that is uh, very reminiscent and very. They're giving a nod to real life um, culture and facts that are about uh, African American trans. Uh, people, I, I don't want to give it away because Tyler yeah. hasn't seen it. But <laughs> yeah. but the storyline is actually a re- if if people did a little research, they could add the last the last episode in which where we saw a uh, trans model getting the term they use is clocked, um, getting clocked on the episode is a reference a direct reference to someone in the 1970s who yeah. was one of the first African American trans models ever. So um, yeah, yeah, now what cool. they're doing, it seems like on Pose, is doing a lot of the historical work yeah. that they didn't do kind of the first season and really like grounding people in a way. You know, they gave us the characters and the narratives and now it seems like they're doing a little excavation of the actual like history. Yeah, yeah. I read that they're cool. going more into their individual lives in the second season. They are. Yeah. yeah. They are. And so that will be interesting. And I think Angel and Poppy are destined to... Uh, uh-huh. To get together, which I'm, I, I'm sorry, sorry, listeners. I think it's going to happen. I don't know. They're they're bringing more and more as we build up. Exactly, the energy is like oh right. Exactly. I'm just like oh, I don't know if this is a good thing. Um, my partner calls Angel my celebrity girlfriend because yeah. oh, there is Angel, She's beautiful. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Um, also, speaking of like trans excellence, right. the, the other thing I want to mention is Janet Mock. Janet Mock, yes, yeah. amazing news that Janet Mock was the first African American trans woman to get her own series on Netflix, which I don't know what the name of the series is. Yeah, I don't know if they have names for it yet, yeah. but 
Um, when she announced on social media and stuff right. about the deal, right. she said, I don't think she named exact money, but it's like multi-million right. big. She called it bonkers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, but then uh, she also said um, she's developing a few hush-hush projects. One of them, a half-hour drama, and another, a college okay. series. So, Interesting. Yeah. yeah I, I love her. I think she's yeah. brilliant. Oh, of course. She's um, her book, Real Defining Realness, of course. is brilliant. Yeah. Building um, a brand. Yeah. 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 And not only that, but shout out to those. Also, shout out to the other African Americans who went before Janet Mock that yeah. probably allowed for this multi-million dollar deal sure. to be sure. inked because apparently I mean you know Monique and there, there's stuff around Monique but yeah. apparently Monique when she was trying to get her deal you know Netflix was trying to lowball her uh, Wanda Sykes has mentioned before yeah. that yeah. you know many African Americans had to come before in order yeah. to sort of break yeah. up particularly black women yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. really cool so yeah. cool yeah so yeah so I'm, I'm glad I'm happy for Janet Mock uh, you know who else we're so excited for? We are uh, super excited. We're super excited for Joy Harjo. Yeah. Yes, um, man. So for those who don't know, Joy Harjo was just announced recently as the next Poet Laureate of the United States. Yes. Yeah. Um, this is a long title. It's like Poet Laureate Advisor to Congress, oh, really? oh. the Library of Congress, something oh. like that. But no, usually yeah. Poet, Poet Laureate. Laureate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but this is a person assigned by the Library of Congress who acts as like an advisor and an expert on poetry. And an ambassador for poetry. An ambassador for poetry yes. for Congress and the Library of Congress yeah. and really representative of the American people. It's sort yes. of like the highest post you can imagine it is. Um, in poetry. Following uh, Tracy K. Smith. Yeah, following yeah. an amazing... Yeah. It's actually funny because in my book I mentioned current U.S. Poet Laureate Tracy K. Smith yeah. and that's like shows how well in the process of putting out a book. You're already outdated. <laughs> <laughs> Your book isn't even out and you're already outdated. I know. I was like, I'm so happy for Joy. Yeah, of course. So, yeah. Of course. But she's following a great woman. Tracy yeah. K. Smith yeah. is amazing. Tracy K. has been an amazing one. Yeah. And, and we've had like, a really good run of, yeah. of Poet Laureates. And Joy Harjo is just, yeah, has Felipe. this amazing legacy uh, behind her as well. Um, she'll yep. be the first indigenous member person yes. to ever hold yeah. the post. Yeah. She's a member of the Muscogee Creek Nation. Um, she grew up in Oklahoma and she's been writing and publishing since uh, the 70s, 80s. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. A big, yeah. big legacy behind her and, and absolute talent. Um, yeah. I've heard her, uh, recordings of her read and recordings of her read set the music. They're just yeah. gorgeous yeah. and like uh, incantatory. And, yes. and I'm really excited to see what she does with the post. You know, When I found out she was, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. When I found out she became poet poet laureate, yeah. um, I looked her up and like I was just reading about her, yeah, and yeah. she apparently is also a saxophonist. Oh, that's awesome! Oh, <laughs> that speaks I, to I'm you being in a yeah. yeah, speaks to you being in a band, yeah. music, <laughs> which that just reminded me. Yeah, 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 she's certainly talented in a number of ways, and it's yeah. always interesting to see what uh, the poet laureate is going to have as their project. Right, they usually right. always have some sort of project that they champion during their tenure. Yeah. And it's yeah. always interesting to see what people choose. Sure. Yeah. So some people, one, one Felipe Herrera yeah, had like Felipe. this, um, uh, I Am America thing it was like this big uh, national collaborative poem that he yeah. wrote. We used yeah. to submit lines to it. Yeah. Um, some have had uh, poet laureate office hours where like you can just show up at the Library yeah. of Congress yeah, yeah, yeah. and meet with them. So that's yeah. what it was like. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so um, they all have individual projects. So I'm really to see, excited to see what her project is. Yeah. Going to be. Yeah. It's great stuff. It's encouraging in this dim Dim times. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's, it's a, <laughs> it a rough month of news for sure. It's yeah. a, a nightmare out there. And so it's, it's <laughs> yeah. really nice to see her in particular, but also Indigenous people and Indigenous women in particular yeah. get some some good news. And yeah. so speaking of good news and interesting stuff, you also had another topic 
Yeah, going back to, to trans women and trans excellence, actually, right. um, some really cool news. Uh, do you all remember the film from the mid to late 90s, The Craft? I do. I actually never saw it, but I, I know the lore around The Craft. Tyler, right. you need to see <laughs> know, The Craft. We're going to pause the podcast <laughs> oh, so we yeah. can watch this movie right come now. Back, <laughs> comment on no, that. we're not, people. We're not doing that. He's lying. All right, so for those who haven't seen it, The Craft is this... Uh, I remember it being a really great film. I was a weird kid who was queer Isn't in the 90s. Great, was, and I was really into Wicca at the time. And I was really into Buffy at the time. Oh, so like, I was a perfect audience for this film when it came out. But the original film is uh, four girls form a small coven of witches. And it's kind of about karma and the threefold rule yeah. of like, do good in the world, good will come back. Do bad in the world, bad will come back. back. And so yeah. it's about them forming and then breaking up. Um, I love this movie. I really did. Anyway, they announced a year or two ago that they're rebooting the movie. Right. And that movie or TV show? So it's another a movie reboot, as far as I know. Right. And um, people were already sort of excited. But, you know, as with any reboot, they're like, cautiously. It could excited. be bad. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of beloved property. It's sort of like a cult classic. And it could suck, right? It We've could, seen yeah. that before. Yeah. Um, but one really promising thing that came out this week is that someone found some casting notice... Uh, that went out for it. And again, the, the original film is about four young women. Women, right. Um, and they're the four leads in the one. Right. Um, the, the casting said that they're looking for one of those leads. They're looking to cast uh, a trans Latinx woman okay. uh, yeah, for that amazing. role, which is so cool yeah. to see. You know, the original movie, I think it only had one person of color in that main cast. Yeah. And so um, it, it, to see a little more diversity in the yeah. reboot, that's, you know, it's 2019, it'll be 2020 when it comes out. Right. Um, represent sort of what we mean when we talk about diversity and plurality of existence and identity. It's really, yeah. really cool. Yeah. And progress. Yeah. For Tyler, progress. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to insist you watch this film in the near <laughs> I future. <know>. Is it? <laughs> I haven't seen it in a decade plus, so I actually can't tell you if it's good, yeah. but I can tell you that you should watch it. All right, and we're back with the bang portion of the podcast. We are, and keeping in the summer theme. Yeah, we thought we thought we talked about summer jams last episode. <laughs> it's the summer. It's still hot and humid as hell it here is. in the Atlantic. Yeah, I love it. and we uh, love it. So we thought yeah. we'd start with another summer one. You had this one. This yeah, time. yeah, yeah. So my idea for Bang is that we could all talk about our favorite summer drink, right? Everyone has a, you know, a, 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 either a cocktail or a regular lemonade or a raspberry lemonade or something that they love in the summer. They love to drink when yeah. it's hot. And I think we all probably have favorites too. Yeah, so yeah. it doesn't I have to, to be boozy. It often is, not right. necessarily. It doesn't have to be. But it's something about the heat Right. And the mood and the pace right. of summer. Yeah. Right. That that drink that's that's representative that you look forward to. Right. Yeah, yeah. So you wanna start with I'm yours? gonna go first because I yeah. think mine's the wackest. Okay. Um <laughs> I'm just <laughs> I'm just gonna go with the classical mojito. I tend to be oh. let me first say that I tend to be much more of a fall winter uh gal when it comes to food and drink. Like I love I love fall food, I love ciders and apples and yeah, I love yeah. everything fall winter so summer's kind of hard for me but yeah. um, mojito I love it um, it's light it includes like a little ginger ale or Sprite it has mint in it it feels very refreshing I mean the rum rum's cool I mean you know but I just kind of like the mint leaves in my glass that kind of clear glass sort of yeah. thing yeah. bubbly the eyeball, yeah. it's beautiful yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. refreshing and it also makes me think of Puerto Rico that's, that's also yeah. that's, that's also why <laughs> I love Puerto yeah. Rico so as uh, you know so yeah 
That's my favorite. Yeah. Um, I'm with you on the being more of a fall or winter person. Yeah. I talked last episode about being into the changing of seasons. Right. But as far as summer goes, oh, fuck summer. Man. It's I too hot. Summer. <laughs> I'm the only person I know that enjoys the... The heat and the absurd humidity. Absurd heat and uh-huh. humidity. Yeah, I am not a summer... Oh, tell her. But, yeah, you, what is yours? You, you do like summer. So What's your drink? I actually have a lot to say about this. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> We're ready for it. Um, but, yeah, so I, I've been in the process of... So I'm about to be almost... I'm about to be four years sober. Oh, cool. Yeah. Congrats. Um, congratulations. Four years. Yeah, and I... Um, and this whole time, I've basically been trying to figure out a, a drink for every season. Oh, um, that's not a drink alcoholic. for every yeah. season. <laughs> and I want to like seltzer more than I do. It's, it's mm. been a, it's an ongoing thing that I <laughs> yeah. just like, don't, I, I, I drink it, but I don't, it's not my favorite. So. I agree. Yeah, there's a weird thing about seltzer. It sounds weird to say this, but it's like been having had a moment like in the last two, three years. Yeah. Or, like everything that it has a moment. Like that. It has, resurgence? Yeah. Because of, like LaCroix, right? Yeah. Oh. Um, but also right. like everything that has a moment has an inevitable backlash. Yeah. So I feel yeah. like Twitter's divided. People are like, ah, uh, seltzer the- saved my life. Or like, who yeah. eats, drinks this trash water? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, li- I, I like it. It's sufficed, but... I my favorite seltzer is Spindrift, which isn't really seltzer. I don't I don't know if it's really considered like it has real fruit in it. I don't oh know. okay, yeah. yeah. Um, but um, I was just talking about this with a friend yesterday about how there's not really, as far as I know, I haven't looked that hard, but as far as I know, there's not any non-alcoholic craft beer. Oh right, that's so, true. Right. It's always a shitty like O'Doul. O'Doul. Yeah. that's the only yeah, one yeah. I know yeah. of. Yeah. So like in the winter, I've been having this non-alcoholic red wine because I'm I miss red wine. And that actually... They have a non-alcoholic red wine? Yeah, and yeah. white, but I just don't, never was into white, so... Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. No. My, my bougie yeah. booze store here in the neighborhood... They have it? Yeah. To me, it yeah. tastes pretty much like red wine, but I also haven't had wine in four years, so I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I haven't found the equivalent with beer. So, and yeah. then um, when I go out now, it's I don't tend to go out... For drinks unless there's a very specific reason like i'll go right. for food um right. and so if i'm eating something heavy i don't really want like a heavy drink also right. so i haven't i very rarely get like a fancy mocktail uh-huh. oh yeah, but yeah, yeah, it yeah. is something i do on occasion in the summer yeah 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 mocktail but yeah i still i that's i still i don't know if i have a favorite drink yet it's been four years and i still don't have a favorite yeah you gotta find that I like drink kombucha, of the summer yeah 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 and kombucha, yeah. we live in a great. Yeah, yeah and we live in sort of city where like all sorts of restaurants serve kombucha like yeah. Yeah. on their menus so yeah yeah like i, I had my oh i'm sorry no go ahead i was just gonna say i still can't get over this non-alcoholic red wine i'm really yeah. interested in this yeah, yeah. i want to taste it it's fun yeah yeah <laughs> yeah See, to me it's i'm like this is i'm having a glass of i'm yeah. doing what i always wanted to do when i drank that i was incapable of doing which is having one glass of wine with yeah. yeah 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 that's yeah <laughs> All right, cool. So for me, um, just in the spirit of yours, I'll give two quick ones. One, just a non-alcoholic one. Oh. The one thing I drink just exclusive in the summer, and I, I thought people love this, but I've heard people talking shit about it on the internet recently. <laughs> I love just chopping up and making cucumber water real quick. So, oh, like yeah. uh, fruit water. Yeah. 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 Fruit water. Yeah. 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 So I just chop up a yeah. cucumber, throw it in a pitcher. It's in every oh, hotel. It's in yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Fruit water. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I've actually just recently heard on the internet people being like, why would you harm water like that? The uh, internet has, <laughs> is capable of ruining yeah, yeah. anything. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Tyler. The internet yeah. is capable of um, ruining it's so anything. Funny. It's so funny because, like, as a kid, you know, I, I, you all know this, I grew up really, like, working class poor yeah. um, and I didn't drink any water at all like we right. drank like we, I'm not joking we drank like three four sodas a day and no water oh I'm uh, uh, like, almost similarly in the black household I drank so much Kool-Aid with sugar oh yeah so my, much teeth, my teeth Kool-Aid almost fell out of my mouth with a full yeah. cup 
yeah. per, per two yeah, liters Kool-Aid. of sugar. That was yeah, like yeah. water in our house. It was <laughs> yeah, like, oh, go yeah. get a glass yeah. of Kool-Aid. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, Every, yeah. That's what everybody said. a big pitcher. Yeah. I always like sugar. Yeah. Purple Source Rex was the best flavor. Right. I don't know if you're all familiar yeah. with Purple I, I remember, yeah. yeah. Cherry yeah. in the black Honestly, household. that was the closest I got to drinking a lot of water. Right. We drinking a lot of Kool-Aid. Right. Um, but yeah, Kool-Aid and like soda. Uh, right. Really, so really so toxic, right? Yeah. So, but like now as an adult, it seems almost really bougie to me just to chop up a cucumber and throw it in a pitcher. Well, you're in line with every hotel chain in America. <laughs> and I mean, in every Hilton yeah. and every whatever, in the lobby, they've got, you know, yeah. strawberry cucumber water. Or they've yeah. got lemon whatever yeah. water, you know? Um, all right. So here's my, here's my alcoholic one. Um, it's really, really niche and specific. Okay. It's ridiculous. But... They're in uh, the town of Ocean City. So for those who are not from the region, Ocean City is like a tourist trap boardwalk town where the beach closest to Baltimore and D.C. is. Um, it's not like the nice beach or the camping beach. It's sort of the family boardwalky beach yeah. there, right? In that town, there is a bar called Coconuts. And yeah, Coconuts has a drink called the Queen Anne Slam. But the Queen Anne Slam is um, layers of frozen peach daiquiri and pina colada stacked on each other in a cup. Um, And so it's this peachy, coconutty, it's like blended, like a a smoothie or icy, right? Um, And it's got all those flavors in it. And it's just so distinctly summer for me. And the only time I ever get it is, you know, once, maybe twice a year, I go out to Ocean City. Across the Bay Bridge, Um, our favorite drink. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's, that's, you know, it's a two-hour drive away without traffic, much longer with traffic. And Um, also, it seems a little, it's a little, it's a little straight statriotic. Oh, it's a, a little, uh, that's my word for uh, patriotic. It's a little statriotic. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry. Maryland. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah you know, little, I, I'm not from here, but I've been here since 07. Yeah, so yeah. It's, you're a, a, little, it's a Maryland this thing. This is very a typical. Merlin, very, Merlin thing. This is very typical for you to go statriotic and me to go international. Me, yeah. I'm like Puerto Rican, non-American. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is, Amer- it is America. And you're like really Queen Anne County. Queen Anne right, County. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like... Divorce. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> Queen Anne, uh, for those who don't know, is the name of the county that Ocean City is. Yeah, yeah and also there's Queen Anne's Lace. Yeah, Queen Anne's Lace is yeah. a beautiful flower. It's yeah, flower. Mystery. Yeah, so there's it's very statriotic. Uh, yeah, so those are my drinks. Cucumber water and the Queen Anne Slam. Shout out to what? Coconuts, Ocean City, Maryland. Oh, my God. Um, they're not gross. sponsoring us. It's a weird bar. They're definitely not. They're home of the... They're home of the they brag that they're the fastest happy hour in town. Um, they have two-for-one <laughs> drinks, every drink on the menu, um, but just for one hour. And so that one hour is packed, oh, and everyone's God. getting these frozen drinks so much that the machine can't keep up, and it's not freezing it fast enough so they're like half frozen drinks this sounds like college this sounds yeah. like college no, it, like like it doesn't exactly. it doesn't get a college crowd it gets like a beach bro crowd. oh well that's oh well, um, and that's, a lot of locals go there too a lot of uh okay. city maryland locals, locals go that's there fine that's yeah. fine anyway anyway that's it that's our episode that's the whole thing <laughs> that's all of our drinks that's all of our drinks <laughs> but before we go yeah. tyler had something that they wanted to mention before we go yeah so i'm having a book release party for laurel august 1st which awesome. is- that's so exciting yeah and August 1st is my um, sober anniversary, which is four years since I quit drinking. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. cool those line up. Yeah, and um, it's a Thursday, and um, the theme is going to be magic and legend, which I'm really excited about. That's and cool. Tons of- I love a theme for a book release yeah. party. I do. And it's going to be a very atypical book release party, so right. performances, um, not necessarily readings. Yeah, um, yeah. And we have, um, I don't want to do like their bios because yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know how their bios yet, but... Um, yeah. Sharia Harris, oh, right. Mary Walters, yeah. Liz Clayton Schofield, Roxy Johnson, 
Lynn Price and friend of the podcast, Tyler Bile. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. Also a previous guest on the podcast. Previous guest. Yeah. 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 And then um, um, possibly one other performer. Okay, oh, awesome. Wait. Tyler, did you say where it's at? Oh, I no, but that's very important. Um, it's at <laughs> the Undercroft, which is actually also a sober space. Great. Um, awesome. Awesome. It's yeah. in Remington. Yeah. Cool. Great. We'll make sure we get the awesome. details of that in the show notes. Yes. So um, everyone can catch yeah, up. as of now, as of this recording, there's no Facebook event, but that'll happen soon. There will yeah. be. Yeah. We'll get right. You'll see yeah, it. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. people listening will be yeah. able to find it. Well, we're excited for that. Yeah. Cool. So that's it for everything. Thank you so much for listening. Tyler, thank you for joining thank us. Thank you. Thank you. Really we enjoyed having you. Um, yeah. We'll encourage listeners, as always, follow us on Twitter, uh, like us and comment on us. We still don't have an yeah. Instagram. We'll have an Instagram soon. We will. Um, but yeah, like us, follow us, share, spread the news. It's always helpful to get the word out. Yeah. Get these cool interviews out in the world. And that's it. Yeah. As always, coming from Baltimore, I'm Anthony. And I'm Cece. And this has been Lit. Pop. Bang. Bang.